Will it be Brandon Ayuk or Debo Samuel as the number one receiver in San Francisco? Does Dalton Schultz make for a better flex over Julian Edelman in your FFPC main event league in week five? And should a waiver wire prize in the AFC East be in your lineups over a steady Eddie with a high floor? Plus the week four leader in the Football Guys Players Championship, Ryan Giorgis joins us to talk about his early success in his first year in the contest and much more. Hey, we've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. I can't stand the pressure. I've seen greater men than me. The lesser. Make out of the lesser. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com, with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here's Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. Alcoholics and Ferreliacs listening in tonight. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I am, of course, your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman. My co-host is indeed the definitive commissioner of all of fantasy football. He is Farrell Elliott. You follow him on Twitter at KFFSC. Farrell, we're coming up on week five. How are we feeling? We're feeling really good. What a week four to come off of, Balky. This is going to be a great weekend. It has to be. I mean, with all, I mean, we have prime. We all, we had a great primetime game on Thursday. We have another primetime game on Sunday. We have two nationally televised games on Monday, and then we get another one on Tuesday. I feel like I'm never. I'm in like a football paradise this week with how much football I get to watch. It's not paradise for the players, not paradise for the teams, but it sure is paradise for the TV networks. They're getting a great deal for their buck, so and it comes at, at them every week. And I think. I don't know which game is more compelling, but uh, we got a slew of them, and all of them have big fantasy implications. Yeah, absolutely, and we're going to touch on as many as we can uh, on the show tonight for the next hour. Uh, Coming up, we're going to give you the latest on some of the most talked about injuries for Week 5, as well as, you know, how the scheduling is is changing things as far as setting lineups. Plus, uh, Ryan Giorgis is actually going to talk to us uh, about why he likes Olamide Zacchaeus this week. Uh, how he got to the top of the Football Guys Players Championship. By the way, first year he's he's competed in the FFPC before, but this is his first year in the FPC. And lo and behold, four weeks in, he's leading the whole damn thing. So congratulations, Dan. We'll pick his brain uh, as far as that goes as well. Shout out to the chat room right now. Uh, you can post any questions you might have in there. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, 
at HSFFO or at Eric Balkman at KFFSC. Uh, you can post on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash HSFFO. And please, as always, if you want to chime in and give us a call, 347-426-3682. That's 347-GAME-OVA. You can also email the show at the inbox, highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com. If you do have any questions for me, for Farrell, for Ryan, now is the time to send them in. Uh, we'll try to get to all the chat room questions, tweets, and emails in the fantasy feedback segment uh, right up in the last segment of the show. I want to thank our audio engineer, my best friend Bryce, our producer and mutual friend Rob. And by the way, I didn't mention this. You can follow Ryan Georgis on Twitter at Ryan Georgis. That's G-Y-O-R-K-U-S. I think I got that right. If we didn't, uh, if I didn't, he's going to correct me here coming up in about 10 minutes. Uh, I want to remind everybody, uh, it, I don't think it, I think it actually hit, has hit the Apple podcast feed. But uh, the latest Rotoviz episode of the High Stakes Lowdown is out. It's myself and Bob Riley, longtime FFPC veteran, uh, talking uh, fantasy football on that. We talk about the Rams' backfield, and uh, he actually feels very strongly about a certain backup running back that may or may not be on your waiver wire right now that you should probably go ahead and add because he thinks he's going to be a lead, league winner. Excuse me. Uh, that's on Rotoviz Radio on the Blue Wire Podcast Network, mm-hmm. anywhere you get podcasts, as well as rotoviz.com. Slash podcast. I want to thank football guys, Draft Sharks, and Roto World, and Rob, of course, for tonight's Fantasy Flash. We talked about that game last night, Farrell, a little bit. Uh, Ronald Jones uh, was one of the stars for the Buccaneers. 17 carries, 106 yards, three catches for 19 yards. Now, Leonard Fournette was active for this game, but he was only available in emergency situations. He didn't get in the game, and as such, Ronald Jones, second 100-yard game uh, in, in uh, five days, essentially, back-to-back 100-yard uh, games. He got 50-plus in the first half, 50-plus in the second half. You know, Tampa wouldn't have screwed up as far as their offensive line penalties and some of the pass interference penalties. Um, he might have had even a bigger day um, because uh, Tampa was, was screwing up and was really taking the ball out of Ronald Jones' hands. Um, he almost had a touchdown at the, uh, at the end of the first quarter. It was ruled down um, because of when the whistle blew, uh, when they thought it was incomplete. But you look at this, Farrell, and, and, and I don't want to – you know, sort of just throw Leonard Fournette out the window all of a sudden, but Ronald Jones is looking better and better here and looking like a pretty good start going forward with or without Fournette. I agree. Arians has a a real history of going to the hot hand, and we need a hot hand in Tampa. We need someone that can be counted on. Now, probably the only emergency that you saw last night was when they tried to throw the ball to Ronald Jones. I was talking (laughs) with my uh, uh, partner on our KFFSC podcast, uh, Robbie Fetcher, and I said, who does this player remind you of? And we came up with Thomas Jones, who's an excellent NFL running back, but for years had difficulty catching the ball. And despite being on the field for multiple, multiple snaps, uh, Thomas Jones would end the year with 30 or so catches. Uh, Ronald Jones is going to have more numbers than that because of Brady. But uh, I saw some frustration from Brady for a lot of reasons last night, including some of the some of the passes in the last four weeks to Ronald Jones. That's going to cut into his playing time. But, yes, Balky, if Ronald Jones is on your roster, he's going to get plenty of carries of the ball, four net or no four net. Yeah, he might be a volume guy. I mean, because he probably won't get to the, the catches. Keyshawn Vaughn, uh, interestingly enough, was on the field for mm-hmm. every single third and fourth down for Tampa last night, too. So it's clear that the Buccaneers don't want to throw it uh, to Ronald Jones. It just happens that he gets into it every so often. I like that Thomas Jones comparison, too, because you never thought of him as a pass catcher. But somehow when you look at the end-of-year stats, he always had, like you said, about 25, 30 catches every single year. Um, keeping things on, on the uh, backfield conversation, Cam Akers. 
practice in full uh, today on um, uh, and this is the second straight day, by the way, limited on Wednesday, full on Thursday, full on Friday. And it's going to be weird because Farrell, every time I think I have a handle on this Rams backfield situation, well, they invested the second round pick in Henderson. It's him. Well, they invested the mm-hmm. second round pick in acres. It's him. Well, Malcolm Brown crushed it week one. It's him. Well, Daryl Henderson crushed it after that. It's him. And then, you know, you look at what happened in week four with no acres and it was actually Malcolm Brown outperforming Daryl Henderson. I can't make heads or tails out of this backfield. Um, I, I'm not sure what to make of it right now. If you own Akers, Henderson, or Brown, did they make for good flex? Well, not good flexes, but did they make for a flex in your starting lineup this week? Or are you kind of just avoiding it entirely? We use the word committee in fantasy football. They use the word team backfield uh, in the NFL. And it, it's a it's a wonderful thing that they have going for them. Malcolm Brown, I you, you teased uh, from the lowdown, and I'd like to know a little more about that. I, if you won't give it up now... I'll go listen to because I'm intrigued because I, I have what I think is, is, is you know, I have two of the backs, um, and, and neither of them are acres. Uh, and I do appreciate acres. I've waited for him all year to get on the field. But it is a uh, – Malcolm Brown is a player that's going to run between the tackles, going to get the tough yardage. And as the wins get tougher to come by and as passing yardage gets tougher to complete as the year continues, Malcolm Brown could be the guy through volume and through production. All three of these players are good. Uh, None of them are going to give us what uh, we would see from um, Josh Jacobs or even a David Montgomery or or a lot of the players that are are getting a full run at the position. I'm a little bit nervous about starting Akers right away his first week back. I probably like Henderson the best. I think Brown can make for a flex, but, I mean, hopefully your team is – not in that bad a shape with only two teams on by this week. Uh, that that line, by the way, the Rams are seven and a half point favorites with a total of forty six and a half in that game. So you'd like to think that the the, script, the game script will favor whichever running back it is. Maybe it ends up being Henderson and Brown uh, that that both end up with double digit fantasy points. It's, it's hard to make that call right now. I'm trying to avoid it if I can. Now. Uh, the next thing I want to talk about here is a guy that's uh, near and dear to me because I, I rarely have Michael Thomas on my fantasy teams, Farrell. And mm-hmm. I mean, one of my best Kentucky teams, or at least what I thought was one of my best Kentucky teams, I had um, Michael Thomas as my first-round pick, slipped a little bit in that draft, and I got him. And I haven't really been able to use him because he's had this high ankle sprain. It's been very, very frustrating for me. Um, he was limited yesterday. He was limited uh, again today. We'll see what he does tomorrow because the Saints, this is a Monday night game. But this is the issue with it. It's a Monday night game. And unless, you know, I can't, I got to look at that roster. But as far as fantasy owners go, you know, unless you have like, um, you know, somebody playing in that Tuesday game, I guess like, you know, um, John Brown or, um, you know, not Gabriel Davis because you really don't want to play him. But um, A.J. Brown coming back off injury, I don't, I don't know how to play it because Michael Thomas, you, you could – if you roll the dice, it could be a zero. You think he plays on Monday night against the Chargers? I don't know because I do not know the severity of this energy uh, injury and the level of pain that he's in. And that, that tells you one thing right there. I don't have Michael Thomas anywhere, but I've watched with great interest <laughs> because he is a key in separating teams that went first round for Michael Thomas. And, I'm, and, you know, my successful teams that I'm having in the FFPC, I'm looking to see who has Michael Thomas. Because, you know, they're just laying there in the weeds waiting to make their move. The quicker you can get him in a lineup, the better. You can get two quarters or 35 uh, snaps of Michael Thomas 
uh, you're probably better off than a lot of receivers that you could start. So, yeah, uh, if he's if he's on the sidelines, if he says he's going to play, watch the pregame, see how he's moving, see what the commentators have to say. If you like what you see, put him in that lineup. We had um, one of the last guests on this show before the um, before the live events in Vegas uh, with the FFPC with Scott Kobe, who is in um, the FFPC Pros versus Joes this series, a former FFPC main event league champ. And he and I were actually messaging back and forth about this Michael Thomas injury when it happened. And originally we said, you know, this is not going to be, I know he wants to come back in like two weeks. That's, that's inhuman. He's not going to be able to do that. And we did say, you know, Week six, the Saints go on by. Um, so there's a chance that they just may hold him out in week five one more week, get him the extra bye week to recover, and then bring him back week seven. And I think that might be most likely at this point. But, you know, I, I think the Saints thought they were going to get off to a better start, too. They might feel like this is more of a, uh, not must win, but more of an important game uh, to them than, than maybe they thought at the start of the season. Justin Herbert has that offense uh, cooking along. We're going to talk about him coming up in a little bit. So I don't know. It's, it's tough to say right now. I think the best advice I can give you is you're going to know more um, after you get those practice reports on Saturday before you have to submit your lineup on Sunday. Um, speaking of receivers, I'm sorry, Balky, but the best advice I can give you there is there's not a player in that Saints building that does not want to play on Monday night. And Drew Brees certainly wants his player back. So that may go a long way in that end of and the decision as well. Yeah, absolutely. Good point there for sure. Um, as long as we're talking about receivers, uh, Farrell, let's let's ask about your favorite team, the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Mm-hmm. Henry Ruggs was uh, upgraded to a full practice Thursday. I believe he got in another full practice today. Um, and it sounds like he's going to be back after missing the last two weeks. Um, he had three catches for 55 yards week one. Um, and, and you look at um, th- this game against the, the Chiefs. Now, it's, it's a pretty high uh, over-under in this game, if I'm remembering this correctly. Uh, Raiders and Chiefs slated for 55.5 with the Chiefs at 11.5 point favorite. So you would think Derek Carr is going to be swinging the ball. He'll be very excited to get Henry Ruggs back. But is this a guy that you'd want to flex out after missing? You know, he's a rookie, and he missed the last two weeks. Is this the guy you want to flex out in the FFPC? He's a guy that I want to get in the lineup unless I've got very, very clearly better options. You know, Ruggs is the number one receiver taken in the draft. We can't forget about that. In a draft loaded with talent, he's the number one guy. And, you know, Carr is talking all the time. You know, it it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter anything about our history and our rivalries. If we're not winning games, it's not worth the conversation. Uh, we had this on our show uh, earlier this, this week, and, and a conversation was, well, there's just so many in the passing uh, attack of the Raiders. And, uh, you know, my commentary was that the better players are going to rise to the top. This is not only a better player of the Raiders. He's one of the better players in the league. You want to be in business with Henry Ruggs, and if you've got him on your lineup, uh, in your lineup, you're going to be rewarded. And if someone lost patience and decided to release him, oh, they're going to have stories to tell about their uh, about their bad moves in 2020. <laughs> yeah, you got that right for sure. Uh, I've heard him before. I might hear him again this year. Uh, no <laughs> question about that. Hey, we have the uh, Football Guys Players Championship leader, Ryan Gayarkis coming up here in just one minute. Before we get to him, I do want to get this out. Justin Herbert, we found out a couple of days ago, named as the Chargers starting quarterback for the rest of the season. That according to Adam Schefter on Twitter. Unbelievable that Tyrod uh, Taylor loses his job 
because he was stabbed in the lung by the team doctor. It's just, it's, it's mind boggling. I don't get it. Um, Anthony Lynn, actually, um, I, I think he, he's a guy that likes to go with the veteran, but the numbers he's putting up, 72% completion rate, five touchdowns, three picks. He's had at least 290 yards passing in both starts so far. And, and you look at uh, uh, what he does for the rest of this team. Uh, I'm much more excited about owning Keenan Allen Farrell. I'm much more excited about owning Hunter Henry. And, and Justin Herbert, I think, is a guy you could probably pick up as, as a backup quarterback right now. I don't know if I'm necessarily starting him. Um, but I, I, guess, I think this gets me more excited about getting Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry into my lineups. Without a made in preseason, if we could have got a glimpse of this in August, think about where Hunter Henry would have went in the draft. He would have been part of it. It wouldn't have been the top four tight ends, Ertz, Andrews, uh, Kelsey, and Kittle. Uh, Hunter Henry would have been part of that conversation. He would have been the fifth guy. This is a terrific upgrade, and there are rookies around this player, guys that all got there at the same time, in the backfield, at the wideout position. Uh, when you watch the game this Monday night, if you're not initiated to this uh, iteration of the Chargers, you're going to be very pleased to see some new names and the athleticism across the board. All these players are keeping a very talented Mike Williams off the field. Yeah, that's and that's another good point, too, to, to think about uh, what, what the Chargers have uh, going forward. It's And, and Herbert makes them better, uh, for sure. So I'm very excited about uh, seeing what they can put out on the field this week. Uh, time to bring in tonight's guest, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, fantasy football is the perfect combination of this guy's love for strategy games as well as sports. He's been in fantasy leagues now for the better part of a decade, getting more and more into it each year. He says the FFPC was a great way for him to try to compete with the sharpest players. And in his first year playing the Football Guys Players Championship, he finds himself leading more than 10,000 other teams four weeks in. You follow him. On Twitter, at Ryan Gyorkas. Ryan Gyorkas, welcome in to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. Congratulations on leading the uh, the FPC, man. Nice job. Oh, thanks so much, and thanks for having me on. Uh, having me on here. So. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's 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 awesome to to have you. We're going to talk fantasy football with you. Obviously, anytime we get the leader of a national contest in. Uh, it's very yep. exciting. And uh, before we get into that, can you tell the listeners what you're doing for a living when you're not? Uh, in the driver's seat for a half million dollars? <laughs> sure, yeah. So I'm a mechanical engineer um, working at an aerospace company right now. But, um, yeah, I just love fantasy football. So. Yeah, and I would imagine um, applying your intelligence to being a mechanical engineer for an aerospace company makes uh, uh, a little bit easier when you're talking about drafting and lineup setting and <laughs> submitting waiver bids. Uh, and certainly there's some crossover there. And congratulations. Uh, on on uh, on leading this, you know, and, and Farrell, it's it's you know this, who's a guy who's played national contests. I don't care if it's week one, week four, gets later in the season, doesn't matter. It's always exciting to lead a national contest. Oh, it's a thrill. I wouldn't know about it firsthand, Balky, but I imagine it is. And, and you know, <laughs> you, you ask Ryan what he does for a living. I know what he must have done to get this living. Ryan, can you tell us a little bit about where you were educated and what and how many years you spent? Yeah, sure. So uh, I graduated from college about two and a half years ago now. Um, lived in Colorado all my life, so I went to Colorado School of Mines. Um, oh, thank And yeah, Colorado so, School of Mines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I've been working at. Uh, this is one of my second aerospace company now since I uh, graduated. But yeah, I've been. It's been pretty fun. 
Okay. He's bouncing around there, buddy. Congratulations yeah. on your fantasy football expertise. <laughs> Thank you. So the the, uh, the the degree's already paying off because you can uh, you, you you know you're being fought over by all these aerospace companies and and you're able to uh, to uh, uh, play the field as it were and and uh, take advantage of that. Congratulations on that. When you I don't I, you know Farrell, I do this all the time after after my drafts I look at the team I just drafted and I usually I generally feel good about it you know because it's the team you drafted and, and you should feel good about it. But Ryan, when you looked at this team that that you put together. After the the draft was done, did you realize that it, it even had a, a chance to be good enough to be leading more than ten thousand teams uh, in this competition? You know, I really didn't. Um, so when I was going through the draft, I kind of knew what I kind of wanted my strategy to be. I looked at my draft position; I had fourth. I knew I was going to get one of the uh, what I considered the, those four main running backs at least. So I was happy with that. Um, but then second round came, we got Aaron Jones, third round, James Conner. And once I had that three running back start, I thought it really kind of opened up everything from there on out. Um, so yeah, it was, it was pretty good. That allowed me to get those four wide receivers in a row. I actually only really, to be honest, liked those first two. So Metcalf and McLaurin, I didn't really like Diggs. didn't really like Landry, but as soon as I got Diggs that, or I guess that opened Josh Allen stack later on. Um, and I, I guess that's kind of what uh, propelled me up here. They're doing so good in the Buffalo Bills. I just never imagined they could be um, that good of a team already. And I guess I didn't think Josh Allen was going to be that good. But yeah, it just worked out that way. Um, getting those two, and it it kind of is just uh, pushing me up there. So you've done well with the yeah, Bills' and- choices. Now I've got a question about Seattle for you. You know, a key, a, a pivotal part of this draft was in the fourth round, and I had this decision to make too. Uh, Lockett and Metcalf. Uh, why did you make the choice of Metcalf over Lockett? It, it's it, it, they were not. I think most everyone would have, would have gone Lockett at that position. I think I'm right about that. What 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 made you see Metcalf so clearly? Well, I actually didn't. I actually liked Lockett a little bit more or a little bit better myself. But um, I had done a. I mean, I've been. I guess I've done a few drafts before this one. I was just looking and I noticed that. I've seen Metcalf kind of go before Lockett sometimes and a little bit more recently at the time that I did that draft. So I thought hmm, maybe I'll try to get Metcalf in the fourth and then maybe if I'm lucky, I'll get the wraparound Lockett coming back. I probably should have taken Lockett back then, but I guess it's, I mean, they're both so good. Um, hard to go wrong with either one, but yeah, I was really hoping for to get both of them um, and then hopefully pair them with Russ later, or I guess in the next round in that sixth round. But um, so you were like hoping that. this team would, you were hoping this team would actually be better than the number one team. So, yes, you see room for improvement. I like that. Anyway. It's very impressive. Only in fantasy football do we – I mean, you know, there's always these stories of, of how – you know, and I'm not saying, like, you're a lock to go all the way. It's going to be tough, obviously. But to, to get where you are now, Ryan, to, to – for it to be a big reason why you know you take Stephon Diggs who you don't really like and you get Josh Allen late and then now you have this this Bills stack of all the teams to be crushing it for fantasy it's the Bills and and it, it's led you to to number one it, it's 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 really incredible and I got to you know and this is interesting too because we we have a situation this year where you know there was no preseason everybody was sort of learning on the fly. You played FFPC last year, but not the, the football guys players championship. 
What was the most important thing that, that you sort of took away from your leagues last year in this contest, in this format, uh, going into year two? What was the biggest thing? What was the most important thing you learned that, that sort of helped you um, have this success so far this year? Yeah, I think, so I guess before last year, I had never done uh, waiver wire bidding, those fab bids before. It's always been standard with uh, just typical waiver orders, whoever's in last place gets first. And, you know, I thought that was not the best way to do it because it kind of rewards those teams that um, don't do too well in those first couple weeks. When they, I mean, getting James Conner, for instance, for that one year was just a huge advantage, I guess, even before the season started, I guess. But, but yeah, last year I didn't – I don't think I did very well in the um, – with fab bids, I didn't do good with my budget. Um, I think I was bidding on too few players. I think I actually had quite a decent sized balance at the end for those. And uh, after that, I realized you just can't you just can't do that. Um, the rosters are so deep in this that it's best players that you really like. Maybe um, maybe you could start them down the line. So yeah, I think that was a, the biggest thing is um, I kind of learned more about the budget management of that that fab system. Yeah, and it's one of those that is a great lesson to perfect and learn. And there's people that play fantasy football for years and years and never quite get it, never quite come to terms with it. So if you feel that you're achieving in that, good job. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah, I I mean, even like with this contest here, with the regular season being a little bit shorter than most, I thought I'd be kind of aggressive, um, aggressive with bad beds. And uh, so far, I've had a couple of pickups that I liked. So. Uh, I think it's been going well. Yeah, we're going to get into one of those here shortly. We're talking with Ryan Gayorkas, the uh, leader in the 2020 Football Guys Players Championship, heading into week five here on the HSFF Hour with Eric Balkman, Farrell Elliott. I know you have uh, Brandon Ayuk on this team, who's obviously looked very good after his late start to the year. When Debo Samuel's at full health, and I don't know if that's going to be this week or, or next week, you think Ayuk is still going to be the primary receiving option, or does Samuel uh, take that role over for Jimmy Garoppolo? You know, I guess that's kind of a, a big question there if uh, Debo Samuel actually is healthy. I know he's got that, that Jones fracture. Um, I've been trying to look up to see if, or I guess how many NFL players have come back from that and really done a lot. But I guess I would say that being on the 49ers, I think he's in the perfect system for him. Um, running after the catch is kind of what he does best. And uh, Kyle Shanahan's so good at getting those guys to do that with Kittle and, and Samuel on there. So I do think they're all they're all viable. I mean, they basically have those three options and then run, run, run the ball. So um, I kind of think it'll, it'll be a little bit spread out with obviously Kittle getting the majority still. But between Ayuk and uh, Debo Samuel, I think they're probably going to split it maybe uh, maybe probably close to half and half. I don't know. We'll have to see how that goes. But, but I do think that he's good enough to – I mean, he he has a draft pedigree, and um, I think he's good enough to be kind of a one A or one B receiver with Debo. All these all these explosive young receivers on your roster, and and from what I'm understanding from this, you sort of fell into taking Diggs. You had to fight yourself. You went ahead and took him. I think you're going to love him more as the season goes on. I see an old man hanging around, an old name. He got a little got a little play last week because of. He, uh, he threw a touchdown pass against the Dallas Cowboys, Jarvis Landry. When you get to bye weeks, was that a uh, was that a planned choice of a Jarvis Landry, or was he just a familiar name that you thought you could grab in a nice draft spot? Uh, you know, for I guess last year in particular, Jarvis Landry kind of seemed like um, 
I mean, obviously, Odell, I think Odell Beckham's more talented, but just last year in that system, I thought uh, Jarvis Landry was getting the majority of the targets or close to it. Um, you know, and I thought he's a pretty good, pretty good discount. I mean, Beckham goes in the fourth, third, fourth round, and I got Landry here in the seventh, so I thought that was a good, uh, good value pick from between the guys that he was going in. Or going That's exactly near, I where I took him, but I, I look at him and I wonder if I'm ever going to play him. And you know, yeah, I'm wondering true. that at the end of the year we're seeing 65 or 70 catches. I don't know how many touchdowns we're going to see. And is that ever enough on a weekly basis? I, I just don't know. And that's that's kind of he's on the roster. He's going to stay on the roster, but I wonder if he ever sees the lineup. He won't see your starting lineup this week, will he? Uh, no, not this week. I did start him last week, though. Um, but yeah, not this week. I don't think I could start him against that Colts. Rocket team. science must have known he was throwing a touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, no, so, so uh, a guy that you do have in your starting lineup, or at least last time I checked, is uh, Olamide uh, Zacchaeus uh, from from Atlanta. You picked him up off the waiver wire. You, you inserted him in your starting lineup, and and I I'll, I'll ask you this too. I mean, the the total on that Panthers Falcons game is fifty three and a half. Falcons are only a one point favorite right now. But tell us a little bit about your thought process in in trying to get Zacchaeus and why you inserted him in your lineup this week. Sure. So, I mean, I'd love to start digs over him if I could. Um, I don't know if that game will play. I have to see. So I was kind of just looking through waivers, trying to protect myself in case that game doesn't go off on, uh, what, Tuesday now? Um, right. So getting Bridgewater and then going with uh, Olamide Zacchaeus. So I watched him on uh, Monday night, and I kind of I looked him up after that, and he doesn't have very good measurables. But, um, man, Matt Ryan seemed to – look at him kind of early um kind of early and often and uh, with Julio banged up I know he only ran what 11 11 routes last week um and then it seemed like Green Bay kind of once Julio was out they kind of turned all their attention to Calvin Ridley since he's been doing so well lately um I guess before this Monday but yeah with that I thought you know targets should probably filter towards Zacchaeus and probably Russell Gage too um, so I thought he'd be a good pickup, especially this week with that high total, that 53 and a half total. Um, so yeah, I thought it would be, I thought it would be pretty good. They're also Carolina's been pretty good at stopping tight end, uh, tight end targets and tight end catches. So I thought um, kind of that just adds more targets to uh, to the middle, or I guess to those other receivers, uh, Zacchaeus and, and Gage. So um, yeah, I thought he'd be a good bet this week. So you've engaged with the waiver wire system a full year, and that's what you claim that's improved the biggest aspect of your game. And, and that's proven right here. You look at this roster and you see uh, Robert Tanyan was a waiver ad. Now, uh, I don't know why Tanyan wasn't drafted higher. I don't know why Tanyan uh, – I, I guess we had information that another tight end would be splitting uh, the situations with him. Um Obviously, he was free. What week did you notice him? When did you begin to make the bid? If you recall, not not necessarily the dollar amount, but did you make a, a correct bid? Did did you have to outbid the entire uh, league, your twelve team league, to get him, or, or did you slide him in there and make and make a real nice bid on him? Tanyan is a player that uh, I mean, he's not going to catch four touchdowns every week, of course, but he looks like. He and Rodgers look like they've got a special thing going on. And for once, we might have an emerging tight end in Green Bay. Yeah, he really did look good. And it kind of seemed like Rodgers liked throwing to him. So I like to see that too. 
Uh, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't actually notice until after uh, week three at New Orleans. Um, he had that five for five, 50 and a touchdown. He's already on a two touchdown run. Um, and then I guess when Lazard went down, he's on IR now. I thought, well, somebody has to get the targets other than obviously Devontae Adams when he's back and then Aaron Jones. Um, and I really don't think that uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling is too good, to be honest. Um, so I thought somebody's got to pick up the slack. Uh, looking at it, I thought, I mean, Tanyan was almost perfect on his uh, catch per target, or I guess uh, he basically caught all his targets so far. So I thought that was that was a pretty good sign, especially for the tight end position this year. Just seems to be pretty pretty brutal. I mean, some of these people are getting zeros each week. So I thought hey, it's worth a worth a shot. I didn't I didn't put too much on him. I don't think I, I, it was less than a hundred for uh, bidding. Probably I think like sixty something like that. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, watching that game um, on Monday, I just kind of made. I was definitely happy with that pick after that. <laughs> You gotta like where you're going with that. Congratulations. That may be the waiver wire that you look back on in your conversations with Balky of the uh, uh, postseason after you're uh, collecting some of these championships. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm I'm in for that. I can't wait to have that conversation. Um, we do have yeah, Ryan a, a question from the the chat room right now. Wasp guy wants to know. If uh, you're fading Julian Edelman, if uh, Cam Newton is not playing this week, and outside of some miracle negative tests, I'm assuming Newton will not play. Um, so it's Edelman this week. Is this a guy that you, you want to bench with, you know, Stidham or Hoyer or whoever it is at quarterback? Yeah, I don't really like Edelman too much. Um, I actually, I mean, Nikhil Harry doesn't look too good either to me, but Demir Bird has had tons of targets lately. Um, I mean, 10 last week, he had nine in week two, and then I guess just that three in week three. Um, but yeah, I mean, it looked like they kind of want to give him the ball. I know they were trailing in that game, um, but I guess Edelman was part of the same plan. He didn't do too much. So yeah, I kind of, I don't know if I like Edelman this week. Let's get to a couple emails here uh, for you, Ryan, that we got in from some, uh, some listeners. Um, first one's from Blake in San Antonio. Uh, he writes, Dear Ryan, with Philip Lindsay expected back this week for the Pats game, should I be expecting something closer to a 50-50 split between him and Melvin Gordon? Nice work in the FPC. Thank you for the email, Blake in San Antonio. Ryan, is that what you're projecting for the Broncos right away, or is it still going to be more Gordon with Lindsay coming back uh, uh, this week for his first game after his injury? Yeah, thanks, Blake. Um so I guess I'm a Broncos fan. I live in Colorado, so I kind of I watch kind of a few of their games. I don't know to be honest. I think Melvin Gordon will probably take the majority. I don't think it'll be 50-50. More like uh, I don't know 70-30, something like that. Um, yeah, I just don't think he'll get too much of a workload when he with him coming back. Do you think it's 50-50 going forward? I do. Yeah, I think Melvin Gordon will come down and Lindsay will go back up. You know, for Lindsay owners, hey, let- it's always been apparent to me that, that Lindsay's 50, he does more with that split than Gordon does with his 50. Both are necessary for the team, but I think Philip Lindsay pretty vi- viable player uh, with 50% of the snaps in, the, in that Denver backfield. Uh, that's just my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Ryan, let me let me ask self, selfish reasons. I have to. Uh, I'm in this um, two quarterback league, and I have uh, Aaron Rodgers on a bye this week. I have Sam Darnold hurt, and I picked up Brett Rippin 
a second quarterback. Oh, Lord. Do you think he's going to start, or, or is Drew Locke <laughs> going to start uh, uh, for, for Denver this week? I, I think it'll probably be ripping again. I think he's very good, but um, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. yeah one picking is on the waiver wire in a two quarterback <laughs> league. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know the toughest question on the high stakes fantasy football hour every week is 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 this one, right? Uh, I would like you to name a bust in FFPC starting lineups this week. And then, even more valuable for the listeners, sometimes a sleeper that you would try to flex out if you can. Not necessarily on your team, since you drafted all all pros here, but <laughs> players that you see around the league, a bust and a sleeper. All right. Um, you know, for busts, I got to say the Browns, those and Kareem Hunt. So Odell Beckham and, and Landry, I just think. That cold D, I kind of I put it probably top five, maybe top four, top three defenses in the league. I just think they're really good, um, and they just seem to. I guess I don't see them getting enough volume in this this tight game. Um, they have kind of a low total. I think it's at twenty three something around there. Um, and then those the Browns, they just love love to run. I didn't think it was going to play out like that last week with uh, uh, them jumping to a lead in Dallas, but. But, I mean, even – I mean, looking at that, they ran so much. I mean, they were doing pretty good. They have an awesome line. But um, that, and then also on the other side of the ball, and um, just Philip Rivers loves to throw that short. It's basically like they're just running every time because there's his short the short passes to go up the field. Um, so, I think that pace will be pretty slow. I just really don't like players this week. So, so Beckham and Landry, I've got to say, for bust. Uh, for sleeper, I guess this kind of goes back to that last question. I think Demir Bird is actually pretty good, pretty good bet this week. Um, I just saw those targets kind of be, being funneled to him. I mean, 10 targets last week and nine two weeks before that. That's that's a lot of targets for uh, somebody that's on – I mean, he was on the waiver wire for me, and I was trying to decide between him and, and Zacchaeus this week for my uh, my priority pickup. I put the other as a backup in case I didn't get them. But, um, yeah, I think Bird, Bird will be pretty good. I like that choice. He gets targets because he does one important thing. He gets open. Yeah, yeah, I think so. and, and because, yeah, with Cam Newton playing, they all, I mean, they seem to, he seems to run it every time they get near the goal line, so I actually think it kind of helps him without, without Cam Newton there, I think it gives him more of a chance for a touchdown there, so, so yeah, I like him. Hey, um, listen, before we let you go, Ryan, I actually, you kind of answered this already, I'm going to ask it anyway, just in case uh, you have a different feeling on Dalton Schultz, but um, Jim and uh, Jim, excuse me, in Irvine, California, writes, "Hey Ryan, am I crazy to want to start Dalton Schultz over Julian Edelman in my FFPC league this week?" Jim, thank you for the email. Um, and I guess based on what you said about Edelman earlier, he's not crazy. And not only is he not crazy, you would probably do the same thing in a tight end premium league, right? Jim, I'd definitely do the same thing. I think Schultz is is awesome. Um, he just has so many targets. That team throws so much. I don't know if the Giants will make them throw as much this week, but but who knows? I didn't think the Browns would last week either, and they threw what fifty-four times, something like that, something crazy. Um, and just Prescott's just so so good that every target from him counts as um, a little bit more than than others in the league. So yeah, I think Schultz is a really good play this week. Uh, Ryan Gierkers, the uh, leader in the Football Guys Players Championship, heading into Week Five. Ryan, what a treat it was to, to have you on. Uh, I certainly appreciate you carving out some time for us on this Friday night. I will let you get back to um, 
preparing to watch your team dominate again for the fifth straight week <laughs> coming up on, on – you get to watch it, do it on Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday this week. Thank you so much. Yeah, Always appreciate so. it. Good luck the rest of the way. And uh, hopefully we're doing this uh, conversation with you again uh, after the season's done when you, uh, you have that big, fat half-million-dollar check. I sure hope so. Thank you guys so much. It's been fun. Keep it up, Ryan. Thank you, Ryan. <laughs> Ryan Gaiarcos, ladies and gentlemen, the, uh, the leader in the Football Guys Players Championship heading into week five. You know, he's, he's an aerospace engineer, Farrell, and a brilliant yeah, a mind, scientist. clearly. Yeah. Yeah, he's a rocket scientist. This is exactly what he is. And he's, he's so humble, um, pun intended, on the grounded thing. So, so grounded, so humble talking to us tonight. You had to wonder if, if he's just like three steps ahead of players like you and I in this whole fantasy football thing. And he was throwing the touchdown last week. He already admitted to that. We had that in the conversation. You know, it, 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 <laughs> you played the Quiet Hollands again as we went into tonight's show. Thank you very much. It reminds me of a musical client that I had once, and a, and a, a star performer jumped on stage and did a duo. And I said, don't let him off the stage. You've got the star on the stage with you. Keep them out there. Fans are going crazy. Everybody loved it. You know, people are wondering now, why did you let Ryan hang up to talk to Farrell? That's what everybody <laughs> who would listen to the show. It, 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 do not let that guy off the stage, Balky. No. Come on. I'll, I'll give I you heard, the best shot. So th- this is um, a story I heard. I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but my, um, my father-in-law is a massive, huge, huge, uh, Grand Funk Railroad fan loves Grand mm-hmm. Funk Railroad. He, he he tells me to this day um, that regales the story of how he met Mark Farner in a Detroit airport, and it was I think you know next to his kids being born and and uh, his wedding. I think that was the best day of his life. And he told me this story one time that Grand Funk Railroad was was opening up for Led Zeppelin, and um, mm-hmm. they they were getting the, just these massive ovations and huge applause and. And the crowd didn't want Grand Funk Railroad to leave the stage, you know, but they had to for Led Zeppelin. The Led Zeppelin manager said, was so ticked off he wanted to take them out of there. You know, he, he didn't want to follow that. I don't know if you've ever heard that, and I, I don't know if I've ever read anything on the Internet about that, but apparently that happened at some show in the United States. Well, it happens all the time where the opener steals the show from the, from the headline. And if the headliners has been in a bad run, and uh, the opener is 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 stealing the show. You'll often find that you'll often find that the management from a headlining band will uh, all of a sudden the sound engineers the the first team sound engineers will show up uh, when the headliner goes on stage and and you've got one guy that is really not sure where to plug in the chords you know for the opener with the sound. <laughs> so it's it's an interesting thing in the music business. But yeah, it happens all it, it time, is right. Yeah, and we I'll tell you what happens all the time on this show. People email us, and they ask us uh, for their opinions on, on um, uh, our opinions on who to start, who to sit each week. It's a segment we like to call Fantasy. If you've got a question for Eric, Dave, or tonight's guest, send them a tweet at Hour on Twitter. Email the show at HighStakesFantasyFootball at gmail.com. Post it in the chat room during the broadcast. Hashtag your tweet with HSFF or just smack Eric in the head. That's HighStakesFantasyFootball at gmail.com or at Hour on Twitter. Every chick of D, every little bird in the tall 
Rob, make a note of that. That's uh, some more production we have to update now with our, our brand new co-host. So very excited to, to get that updated as well. I never really liked that music bet on that anyway. Uh, let's kick things off here with, uh, who is it? Ted in Waco, Texas. He gets, uh, he writes, thrilled I won Robert Tanyan on my FFPC waiver wire this week, but I'm disappointed yeah. I can't play him. So do I rock Eric Ebron hosting the Eagles or Austin Hooper in Believeland against the Colts? Love the new host edition, guys. That's Ted in Waco, Texas. So it comes down to he's got to play Ebron or Austin Hooper. Uh, and he, Ebron is against Philadelphia. Austin Hooper taking on the Colts. I don't know if I have a necessarily strong feeling on this one. My, I, I would, you know, the rocket scientist said he was fading everybody on the Browns, um, not named Kareem Hunt. So I guess I'm, I'm going to lean towards Ebron here, Farrell. What do you think? I'm not only going to lean towards Ebron. I'm going to fall down and, and just uh, just wonder at why we would even compare these two. You know, Ebron, uh, <laughs> to the uninitiated, he may look like the same player, but this is a this is a magical number, 85. That's a magic number for pass catchers in the NFL, I think, this year. You know, week one, two targets. Week two, five targets. Week three, seven targets. This is an ascending player, and Kittle rocked Philly. You know, now this isn't Kittle, but Philly obviously showed they had problems with uh, they had problems with the tight end. If you don't believe what Kittle did to them, you can go back to earlier. Uh, the Rams scored three touchdowns from the tight end position for them. Uh, five catches and one TD is what I'm going to call for Ebron's floor, and I don't know if Hooper will ever get to that this year. So far, it's been Hooper, 35 yards is his top output this year. Did you did you draft Hooper anywhere this year, Farrell? I, I feel like I got oh, him. Oh no! Oh in no! One, I yeah. didn't like him when he was I, successful I, I, at Atlanta. So you know, I wasn't going <laughs> to like him completely. No. Sir. Yeah, I it's it's weird because he he was in a situation last year where, you know, they had Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley and 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 you know playmakers mm-hmm. on the perimeter, and he still put up good numbers. And then he goes to Cleveland where. They have Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry and then that running game. And I don't know why. I just never – and David, Dave and I had talked about this too. We just viewed him as a guy who was in a pretty good situation last year. And I, I got him in – like I said, I got him in like one dynasty league in, in the second round of, um, you know, of, a, of a rookie free agent draft. And that was it. I just he, – he doesn't excite me. I don't think he's that special of a player, and I think he's showing that this year. He's, he's a very good NFL football player, but, oh, my goodness, he finds himself now in a tight end by committee because uh, Njoku mm-hmm. is eventually going to come back. They they cleared him for return, and, and I like the kid Bryant there. He's athletic, and they're all getting snaps, and uh, it's just not a good it's not a good situation for fantasy ball. He's a very good NFL player. He's going to be around a long time, and someday he might find himself as a key target. He'll probably deliver, but not in this system, not with this liability quarterback and a team that wants to run the ball this much. Canton, Georgia is where Charlie lives, and he writes to us, missing my guy A-Raj this week, so do I play Teddy Bridge over Troubled Water or Big Ben? Instead, (laughs) I'm leaning towards the clock tower for what it's worth. Charlie, thank you for the email. Always appreciate you guys listening and writing in. Um, I I might like Bridgewater here, actually, uh, in that matchup against that hapless Atlanta Falcons uh, defense. I think I'm going to play him over over Big Ben, who is taking on, you know, say we will about the Eagles this year, but a lot of their shortcomings have been on the offensive side of the football. 
Um, and, and this is a game, too, that the Steelers are seven-point favorites. It's a low total on this game. That This could be a Connor game. I think I'm going to play Bridgewater over Roethlisberger. It's a uh, it's an embarrassment of riches, but he's getting Bridgewater at the time when Bridgewater is feeling it. You know, he flirted with 30 fantasy points last week. He ran for a touchdown. He is the uh, underrated quarterback from the University of Louisville that everyone loves to root for. He, he was pr- prior to Lamar coming here, and Teddy Bridgewater is a beloved player and a guy that everyone across the NFL wants to root for. He's a comeback story, coming back from a significant injury that he had in Minnesota. And uh, when he scampered for that touchdown right up the middle last week, I said, you know, he's all the way back. And he's got receivers that believe in him. He delivers a very catchable ball. All those things you can say about Ben Roethlisberger, but he's coming off the unscheduled bye. Uh, He could could take him a little bit to get back in sync. There's been some talk about Juju Smith uh, ailing somewhat. I, yeah, Philadelphia knows how to play some defense. They can get physical. They can occasionally rush the passer. They probably can't tackle Ben. But, yeah, it's an embarrassment of riches. I'm going to roll with Bridgewater to match uh, Matt Ryan, who may start getting it in this game. Bridgewater have big numbers. He'll stay face. That's going to be – that game's going to come down to the last possession, and I think that's kind of what you want your quarterback in. Uh, for sure. Uh, and, and I actually picked up because I, I got freaked out by the uh, – the Cam Newton thing last week because I was rolling with Lamar Jackson as my single, you know, my lone quarterback in a lot of leagues. And um, mm-hmm. lo and behold, Teddy Bridgewater is out there in, in a lot of spots. And then and then I was, you know, really freaked out because Jackson didn't practice Wednesday or Thursday. So I was like, am I going to have to play Bridgewater in these spots? He was he was in, a, in, in case of emergency break glass type of guy. And Farrell, I had the axe, the hammer, whatever. I was ready to smash that glass and, and start Bridgewater. Uh, but then Jackson practiced today, so it looks like I won't have to do that. But it did make me nervous uh, for a little bit uh, as far as that goes. I like Bridgewater. I think he's, he makes a good start this week. Uh, let's head over to You just to love New being York, connected to all things Louisville, Balky. That's what that's all about. <laughs> I do love Louisville. It's, it is my, it is my, uh, my home away from home, for sure. Great yes, city. Um, Terry in Newark, New Jersey. Dear Balky and Farrell. I'm trying to make the best of it without Austin Eckler, but it's not going to be easy. Yeah, ain't that the truth? You and me both. I was happy to grab Miles Gaskin off the pile a couple weeks ago, but I still have Mark Ingram. Which way would you guys go? Farrell, your debut was a hit last week, man. That is Terry in Newark, New Jersey. Thank you, Terry, for the kind words. Um, what would you do here if you have Gaskin and Ingram and you can only start one, Farrell? Uh, and, and I should tell the listeners, too. Um, this week you have um, – Miles Gaskin and the Dolphins taking on the 49ers in San Francisco. Uh, Mark Ingram and the Ravens are hosting the Cincinnati Bengals. Which way are you going between Gaskin and Ingram? Oh, this is difficult. You know, such nice uh, commentary to be said, and I have a deer in the headlights look on this one. I really, uh, you know, (laughs) Gaskin, I don't want to get – I don't want to get any Miami Dolphin uh, running back engaged with the San Francisco 49ers defense. This is this is not the kind of game. Now Gaskin's pass catching skills, uh, if you think he can get five or more, he might be the play. I don't know that he can. Uh, I I keep expecting them to play different running backs to catch the ball uh, with the Dolphins, and I, I keep expecting the big big passing numbers from Fitzy. 
Uh, we we get good results. We get long plays, but we don't get a lot of attempts. I'm very confused about what's going on at Miami. Um, Mark Ingram is a victim, not so much of the co- of the committee situation, but because of uh, the real running back there being Lamar Jackson and what he does around the goal line. It's 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 become. Uh, very much of a, of a liability. You can see it at, at, at successful teams like Buffalo. Uh, you know, Singletary's been very, very good, but rarely is there a touchdown. And it might be the same thing with Ingram. Uh, the bigger spread will go to Baltimore in this game as, as they will probably continue to hammer Cincinnati despite Cincinnati's uh, better offense this year than last year. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say go with Ingram. Yeah, it's weird because you're right. I mean, the Ravens are 12-and-a-half-point favorites. Both these games have totals over 50. I mean, just over 50, but still over 50. Um, So the game script you'd think would set up pretty good for Mark Ingram in this game. But, you know, the Dolphins, like, you know, I know Matt, they're trying to get Matt Breida involved more, but, I mean, Miles Gaskin is still catching passes. And and um, Devontae Parker's dinged up. Preston Williams isn't playing all that great. Mike Jasicki really just hasn't come around. And I'm almost wondering with uh, another Fitzpatrick start, uh, if he continues to, to dump it off to, to Miles Gaskin, too. This, uh, I mean, you're right. It makes it difficult. I, I guess in this case, when it comes down to something so close, um, I, am, I am going to lean towards pedigree, and I'm going to lean towards um, – and Dave always says this is the wrong way to think about it, but I always look at it from the standpoint of who would I be more ticked off if I benched them and then they blew up? Um, and if I benched Mark Ingram and he blew up this game, I'll be like, what was I thinking? You know, obviously he's going to have a big game against Cincinnati. They're going to be salting a game away in the second half. Um, if Gaskin, if I sit him and, and he blows up, ah, you know, it's one of those things that it happened against a good Niners team. So I guess that'll be my tiebreaker here. I am going to agree with you and I'm going to say Ingram over Gaskin, but I'll say this too, go with your gut too. I, when it's this close, you know, there's usually a voice inside you telling you, you should probably go with this guy. So listen for that voice uh, in your gut, which makes no sense. Kurt, uh, Kurt you Reed, should go with your gut and not room. make any changes before game time on Sunday. Go yeah, with what your that gut is, says. That is probably accurate. Yeah, think long, think wrong <laughs> is, is, is the way I've always heard it. Uh, Kern Reeve in the chat room wants to know, Joshua Kelly, a strong flex this week. And uh, obviously we, we talked about the, the lack of Eckler uh, not playing. Uh, this week because of that injury and it is a Monday night football game for the Chargers and for the uh, uh, Saints going in uh, New Orleans I think that game is going to be in New Orleans I know they're talking about moving it to Indianapolis but uh, that game um, total 50 and a half seven and a half point favorites are the Saints what do you think of Joshua Kelly uh, taking over the starting role there uh, in Monday night Farrell it's an opportunity that it couldn't come to a better player and a nicer guy and I am a big Joshua Kelly fan. Uh, I really feel that uh, Joshua will deliver. He's, you know, it's a 1,200-yard uh, rusher, junior and senior years at UCLA. He, he has the benefit of playing there in his own backyard. I think he is from uh, Lancaster, California. Uh, you know, everything is going right for Joshua Kelly. Now, there's conversations about him. Uh, putting the ball on the ground. I think he's fumbled twice. Uh, you know, the, uh, the new quarterback can do no wrong. I, I watched a film of one of those fumbles, and he uh, ever handed it to him a little high in the chest and right off the shoulder pads. Uh, that was a difficult uh, one to handle. But this kid can catch the ball. He can run with the ball. He's not going to run away from anybody. 
He's going to pound over players. He's going to get you. He's the fall forward type of guy. Three and a half yards becomes four and a half yards. Give Joshua Kelly a chance in your lineup. You're going to be very, very proud that you did. Yeah, I don't necessarily think he's a strong flex this week, but if I had him, I mean, I have to start him, right? I mean, he's a starting running back, and and um, I, I just it'd be very it'd be extremely difficult for me, especially knowing my team, to to find a lineup where I couldn't fit Joshua Kelly in it. So I really like him this week as well. He is uh, Pompano Beach. He is a very strong flex, uh, Balky. We're going to have to fight about that. He is a very strong flex <laughs> if you have him. Yeah, you're not going to have to play him. You should play him, and he's going to do very very well catching balls out of the backfield. Get behind that pass rush coming from New Orleans. He can outrun some of those linebackers. This player. While he, he's one of those guys that build up speed. He's not a big guy like Derrick Henry, but he's a build-up speed guy. Nobody will want to have anything to do with him once he gets past and between the linebackers. Yeah, and, and, and he could be – I mean, he, all it takes is one play, and, and you could have your week made with Joshua Kelly, too. I mean, like, he should be the goal line guy, too. So, I mean, there's, there's going to be opportunities for him to score uh, on Monday night against New Orleans. Um, the Bill in Pompano Beach, Florida writes, hello, Kentucky and Wisconsin, longtime listener, first time emailer. Would you guys drink the Higgins Kool-Aid or go with the grizzled vet T.Y. Hilton instead this week? Bill, thank you for emailing. Thank you so much for listening. Um, this, the, we talked about this earlier. So the Bengals are in that negative game script against Baltimore as 12 and a half point dogs. Uh, and then you have uh, T.Y. Hilton who is going up against mm. the pair. It's a matchup of three and one teams uh, going against the Browns in Cleveland. The Colts are one point favorites. Uh, Farrell, I think I am drinking the Higgins Kool-Aid. Uh, it's just that that Colts passing game just doesn't seem to be able to get on track uh, so far this season. Um, it, it's just been a little bit disjointed and Higgins is really trending upward. So I'm going to play Higgins over Hilton here. 16 targets in the last two games. You play Higgins over a lot of receivers in this league. You know, there's that number, there's that magical number 85 for you again. There's something magic here with this guy. Just watch him line up. You know, you, you, Mike Evans is such an impressive physical athlete when he lines up. I see the same thing coming from Higgins. This is a player that's going to be in the league for a long time. Man, the question is, how high will this guy go in the draft in 2021? Um, we compared him to T.Y. Hilton was the question. Hmm. T.Y. Hilton suffering from the sidearm sadness of Philip Rivers. It just, it just, <laughs> uh, just, just a great Pro Bowl player that uh, has been reduced to a uh, a very modest possession receiver. Um, I, I think that whole, I think that whole passing core. Uh, in Indianapolis, uh, suffers uh, from from having to live with Philip Rivers and T.Y. Hilton is T.Y. Hilton is amazing talent that I feel is being taken away from us. That's what I feel about T.Y. Hilton. Yeah, no, I think you're right, and, and it's unfortunate because he's he's going to be another year older next year. What do you think the Colts do at quarterback in 2021, Farrell? I mean, it's probably not going to be Rivers. Is it Brissett? Is it somebody mm, else? No, what do it they can't do? Be Rivers. Uh, they're going to look really? for the vaccine for Rivers 17, and they'll they'll discover the vaccine at the 2021 draft. Surely this is surely this is over now. He's going he's having a little success, but it, it won't last. It won't last. The, the defense can't carry him all that way. The running backs can't carry him that way. Is this is uh, as you can see, 
when you looked for your emergency quarterback, you saw Philip Rivers available everywhere, right? Yeah. For very good reason. I mean, it's, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things too. Like there there there's a reason that nobody else wanted them, you know. <laughs> and I think we're seeing why for sure. Final in the organization. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Paul. Uh, no, no. I, uh, final email of the tonight uh, of the night, I should say. Jordan in Springfield, Mass. He wants to know, in the truest sense of quote, every week is a new week in the NFL. Who should I start, Russell Gage or Joshua Kelly? In my main event. Uh, thank you for the email, Jordan. Kind of open shut case here. You're going with Joshua Kelly over Russell Gage. It's easy. Russell Gage is, is another one of those possession receivers that everyone seems to really be impressed with. You know, in 2018, I was impressed with him, too. I saw him at the Combine, saw him before he worked out, saw him after he worked out. He ran a 4-4-2. He, he jumped out of the building, 40-plus uh, vertical. It just does not translate to the field. Um, yardage per catches is barely 10, and it's been that way for his career, and you know, even when uh, even when uh, Jones and Ridley disappear because of various reasons of health, uh, the Russell Gage doesn't step up. So, no, I, I'm uh, uh, that's an easy pass for me. Uh, it was uh, not an easy pass on this show tonight. If you if you did uh, pass on it, make sure, or uh, if for anybody you know who might have passed on it, make sure you tell them to download and listen. Now, Farrell, another winner, another one in the books. Thank you so much. I'm going to let you enjoy your Friday evening and your weekend, and we'll do this again next week, man. Thank you, Boggy. I look forward to it. Farrell Elliott, ladies and gentlemen. Follow, follow him on Twitter at KFFSC. Always a pleasure to, to have him on the new co-host of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. I want to thank him. I want to thank Ryan Gajorkos, uh, the FFPC, Rob Bryce, and, of course, each and every one of you. Hey, uh, reminder, check out the High Stakes Lowdown, rotoviz.com slash podcast, or anywhere you get podcasts, Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts, what have you. Uh, the Bob Riley episode is out there. You can check that out. And uh, we'll be back next week, 10-9 Central, Friday night, week four main event, second-place team owner, Juan Acosta is actually going to join us on the program. We'll get his thoughts on how to build his drug not how to the going. Hey, good luck in week five, everybody. Buckle up for an extra long weekend of NFL football. Thanks so much, everybody. Your weekend starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and heard around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. point of uh of uh of this at the top of the show but i should every single week um new intro song that is pressure by the quiet hollers uh, a band that uh, feral happens to represent and you can check out all their music uh not only uh at their website but you can also uh, check them out on uh apple music or you know wherever you're, you're downloading your music you can download uh, their music there that song 
was called Pressure. Their website is quiethollers.com. And then, of course, the outro uh, that you just heard, that was Frederick the Younger, uh, a band I actually got to, uh, I, I got to meet um, the, uh, the lead singer um, when they were at Mile of Music in uh, Appleton, Wisconsin a couple of years ago. Uh, great stuff from them, very unique sound. FrederickTheYounger.com, that was called High Alone, and you can check them out, FrederickTheYounger.com, as well as uh, Apple Music. You can download the music right there. Great stuff from them. Farrell represents both those bands, and I uh, highly recommend both of them. Highly recommend that you uh, join us again next Friday with Juan Acosta. Thanks so much, everybody. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you later. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.